Welcome to the 19th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio magazine podcast. Ear to the Ground features interviews, reviews, and field reports related to sustainable agriculture, family farming, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm your host, Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. In Ear to the Ground number 18, we listened in on a recent Farm Beginnings class where basic marketing was the subject of discussion. People who take this beginning farmer course find that innovative marketing techniques are key to making it as a successful agricultural entrepreneur. In this installment, we will look at another necessity for getting started in farming, credit. Farmers who are thinking of launching an enterprise that is out of the mainstream often find that lenders aren't exactly clamoring to give them money. Blame it on lack of information. Surveys conducted by the Land Stewardship Project show that many Midwestern lenders are not knowledgeable when it comes to farming systems that don't fall into the typical corn, soybean, or large-scale livestock production paradigm. In turn, farmers of all types, even those who are utilizing conventional techniques, often approach a lender without the basic information needed to make a successful pitch for credit. That's why the Farm Beginnings curriculum has a segment that focuses on successfully obtaining credit for innovative farming enterprises. Tim Gossman, Vice President of the Root River Bank in Southeast Minnesota and a Veteran Farm Loan Officer, recently fielded questions from class participants on how to seek credit. Here's an excerpt of that session. Some of the things you're probably interested in is how you approach a lender, how do you pick a lender. And again, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm biased toward um, finding a lender that's close by and in your community so he understands or she understands what's going on uh, right there. Um, if you uh, have an opportunity to visit with some other farmers in the community and see where they do their uh, borrowing, I think that'd be very positive as well because some banks are certainly more in tune with uh, sustainable ag than other banks are. So uh, you can kind of get a feel for that. Um, if you are um, early in the process and have an opportunity to become a customer, a, a bank, other than a, a borrowing customer for initial contact, that's a positive thing. I open up a checking savings account, you get to kind of know people, and uh, I think that's a good way in the door. You can, um, if there's an existing customer, have him introduce you to the loan officer if he works, that that can be a positive thing. So uh, just make yourself kind of familiar. Um, and then know that probably uh, if you're doing something that uh, is other than uh, raising corn and soybeans and getting a big government payment, you're probably going to have to do some education to the, to the lender. But uh, most of them are open to that. So um, there's some other things I'd like to talk about. I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. If, but I'm just going to open up for questions. And you guys start asking, I'll kind of follow your, your lead. Is it imperative uh, to have some sort of uh, Something to borrow against, so you have a lien on a loan. If you take yeah, what, what you're referring to there is, is collateral. Yeah. Um, and basically, when a, when a bank makes a loan, they want their money back. Um, <laughs> and the best way to get it back is to have it come from your income and with interest over time. You know, that's that's everybody's intention when the loan is made. Um, as a backup plan. The bank is going to look for collateral, and what that means is they're going to say, if we're going to loan you money for this farming operation, we're going to take security in your in your tractor, your land, your, your livestock, whatever it might be, and if this doesn't work out and you can't pay us from your income, we're going to repossess that, sell that, pay off the loan, and hopefully pay off the loan. Um, so that's a, that is a pretty essential part of, of a loan. Um, there's things that you can do to, and, and usually the, the lender's going to be looking for somewhere in the 75% So if you want to borrow $75, they're going to look for $100 worth of collateral. And the reason for that is 
um, when the bank goes to sell that collateral, if the, you know, that situation happens, it's going to be worth less than it was you know, to, to you, because um, everybody's going to be looking for a bargain. Um, so the, you can get a, a cosigner is one way uh, to, to lessen that, that percentage. Um, and there's other, you know, there's, there's, there's different kinds of collateral out there. So, um, but if without that um, down payment, so to speak, what you're buying can become part of your collateral, but you need the down payment to get you up to that, to get you over that 25% hurdle. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like a, if you didn't have any collateral, right. except for the object in hand that you're buying, say a tractor, right. you'd need probably 25% down payment. Right. Most likely. Most likely, right. Okay. But that could come from equity you might already have in your in your home, you know, they've already, you know, sure. or it might be, you know, cash that you have on hand. It might be, um, if this is a piece of equipment, you might already have the tractor partially paid for or whatever. So it's, you just put that all together and you get that percentage. Yeah. Yes? Um, what, how, how big of a role does experience play in underwriting a loan? Well, that's a good question. Um, the, the things that banks like, what, what banks don't like is risk. Mm -hmm. Again, they want that. They want to get that that money back, and they, and they want to do it in a, in a you know, cost-effective, least stressful for everybody manner. Um, and one of the factors is collateral. Another factor is experience. You know, the more likely, if that person's been doing that same type of, of operation for several years, chances are they're going to be able to continue that, and it's less risk, and, and they might be you know less harsh on the on the security or the collateral. Um, so in, in lieu of that. Um, you may have to uh, talk to the banker about how you've taken this class and, you, and you've, you've done, you know, you've, uh, gone through the mentoring program or something. You've gained that experience, even though you might not have been doing it yourself and been producing a profit over that period of time. So that can fill in some of that gaps. The other thing you're uh, working all working on business plans, I understand, and that can be really beneficial for the same reason. It uh, it may not show that you've had direct experience in doing that, but you've got a, a definite plan and know what it takes to get from here to there. So again, that's what they're looking for. So any question back there? Um, the lines of credit, do they also ask for collateral? Yes. <coughs> uh, unless they're, I mean, if, typically if, if you might go into a bank and they might offer you a $500 or $1,000 line of credit on your checking account, then they might not. But if it's anything substantial, they probably will look, look for collateral. And then does that work so <coughs> collateral for the loan? It, it, exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> oh, and one question I have. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky I already own farmland. Okay. And, um, <coughs> I want to put it at the least amount of risk. Mm -hmm. um, to collateral. Yeah, farmers don't like risk either, right? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, to collateral a loan or a, a line of credit, um, can you say this portion of this parcel? Is the collateral instead of the whole parcel? Right. The, 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 the collateral should be comparable in size to the, to the loan. So if you've got, you know, exceeding amount of collateral for a small loan, the bank isn't going to look for all that collateral. They just want to make, they're not, because if they sell, if, if the worst happens and you can't repay the loan and they sell that collateral someday, foreclose, whatever, um, they can only make themselves whole and the rest goes back to you. So there isn't any mo motivation for them to take more collateral than they need. There's no, they can't profit from it in any way. They just want to make sure that there's enough. Um, so if you've got 160 acres and you're applying for a, a small loan, you can say, you know, I'll give you this 40 acres or whatever. You certainly can do that. Yeah. It's rocky sandy patch. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, if you're dealing with this local bank, they're going to know where the bad, where the, where the good angels are. So. Right. Um, but um, you may not want, you know, you want to keep that bargaining a little bit later in the game. You don't want to be coming in saying, oh, I, I'm looking for a loan, I'm only going to give you this, because it, it, it indicates a lack of confidence in your part if you're not willing to put, in, put up the collateral. So, um, because if you don't believe it's going to work, we probably won't either. But but I but I understand that you know you don't want to risk everything because you can't tell what might happen. So yes. Is there any way to um, negotiate for a better uh, percentage on the loan? Like, is there any? Do you have any? As far as the interest rate? Yeah. Um, we don't very much at our bank. Um, different banks have different philosophies on that. Um, Unfortunately, most people coming in for their first loan come out on the wrong end of that. <laughs> um, and, and the theory goes for, for some banks that um, the more risk involved with the loan, the higher rate the people should pay. And if you're looking at a textbook, that, that makes sense. You know, you would get compensated more when you take greater risk. Unfortunately, the people that present the greatest risk are usually the people who can afford to pay, can't afford to pay the most. Um, and so you get uh, the super large farmers getting a, a huge break and the new people getting a, um, uh, paying a higher risk and it just kind of stacks the deck a little bit. So um, in our bank, um, we don't do that as a matter of course. We have, we have rates that are stated and you come in and, and uh, if you're applying for, if you're a, a part-time farmer and you need to beat by $500 for a, um, I can't think of a tractor that only costs $500. $1,500 for an 8N4 or something. Um, and that you're going to pay right now 7 3 quarters percent. And if you come in and buy, you know, $100,000, you know, that's not enough, $150,000 combine, you're going to pay that same percentage rate. That's just the, the philosophy that we have at our bank that it's, that it's the fairest way to do it. Um, so that's... but. So again, that's a fair question to ask when you go in. Is this is this one rate? Um, the other thing we don't get involved with that some banks do is we don't uh, we try not to bargain with people either. So if somebody says, "Well, I've been to XYZ Bank down the road and they'll give me a quarter percent less," well, you do. We'll say, "Well, in fairness to all the customers, you're already paying the same rate. This is our rate. We think we'll give you good service. We think we'll do everything right by you." But you know, that's the rate. How yeah. about credit history? How does that how does that figure into an agricultural loan? Um, <clears throat> I'll highlight that there's, there's a few things that we look at when we, when we decide whether we can make a loan. We've already discussed collateral. We've discussed experience. Uh, another one is is repayment. Uh, in other words, how much are your payments now? How much is this payment going to add to it? And how much are you bringing in or going to potentially bring in with the farm farming operation? Um, and that's the fact you brought up is credit history. Um, we, we look closely at a person's credit history. Um, and unlike what people might suspect, we don't do that just to beat you up if you have had problems in the past. But there is a tendency for people that have had, people tend to do in the future what they've done in the past. So if you've had credit problems in the past, there's a good indication you may have credit problems again in the future. Um, there's a, uh, you know, and it's kind of a, a, a sliding scale. If you have a major number of collection items and or a judgment where, uh, where somebody's taking you to court to collect a bad debt, um, or you file bankruptcy. Um, in our bank, those are, are real, uh, those are tough hurdles to get over. Um, and uh, the reason for that, again, is uh, we're, we're a fairly conservative lender. We think we can keep our interest rates lower. 
if we're taking you know a reasonable amount of risk and somebody's been down uh, that road before, uh, chances are they might again. Now we're certainly going to going to talk through the situation and say, you know, what 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 went on here, and, and if somebody uh, had a catastrophic illness or something, you know, there's there's certainly reasons where people get into a situation that they can't, you know, didn't have much control over, uh, and we can get around some of that. Um, the credit problem, if you if you do have some credit difficulties, the farther in the past they are, the better off it is. Um, and you certainly want to be upfront with the lender when you go in and say, you know, this has happened in the past. This is why. Um, if the first time you you read about it is on the credit report, that's not as good as if you you know know what know what's going on. So, uh, but what about as good everything credit? else? I mean, honesty is the best policy. So, what about yeah. good credit if you have really great? Credit? Sorry, sorry to be so negative. <laughs> <laughs> wondering if I walked in and said, okay, I don't have a lot of experience, yeah. but this is my business plan. I've right. worked, you know, I've run my own businesses before. Yes, yeah, so good credit is, is, a, is, is, is wonderful for, for all the same reasons. Okay, great. Um, uh, yeah, it, um, if you have, uh, if you can go in and say, um, you know, uh, I've, I've had these loans in the past, I've paid them on time, um, you know, dealt with, you know, Uncertainty in the past, and this farming operation is going to be uncertainty, or going to present uncertainty. But but I made it through. You know, again, it, it helps that risk factor. Um, I know people don't like to dwell on it, but it um, alternative forms of income certainly help the process as well. If it's going to be a start out as a part time operation, or, or one spouse farming full time, another spouse working full time, um, you know, it, it the the cash flow is is certainly important and. And basically, the cash flow is just how much income is coming in versus what's going out, including farm income, uh, non-farm income, and then farm expenses and, and personal expenses. Um, and any of you, you know, to, to do the math, know that if, if, a, if a spouse can be employed and, and bring in the few extra dollars and the health insurance, that can be huge in making the farming operation work. And it's not much different if you look up and down Main Street of any small town. Um, businessmen are, are fighting the same thing with with loss. So, uh, but yeah. Um, with a business plan, uh, a solid credit history um, is going to get you off to a really good start, no doubt about it. Yeah. How fast does a bank want to see a particular project that you're getting the loan for turn a profit? Um, we know that farming, you know, that that doesn't happen right away, especially when you're starting up a farming operation. Um, the minimum requirement that we have... Um, for setting up a loan is that you pay the interest on an annual basis. So uh, a farm doesn't necessarily have to turn much of a profit, particularly when they you know, uh, are starting up to do that, but that's going to be the minimum that we're going to look at. So we may, not, you know, we may be able to postpone some principal payments for a few years, um, and I guess we would like to see a, you know, a break-even situation fairly early on and a profit within a couple of years. Just, it depends. I mean, farming is so diverse. You know, there's a lot of different, a lot of different ways you can get into it. And if you're buying a lot of capital assets from the beginning, uh, you can have a, a cash flow that's pretty flat, but you're actually gaining equity and, and uh, you know, paying stuff off, so you can still be showing a profit. So, yeah. Our banker is more inclined right now to loan for houses and cars rather than agriculture, or isn't that true? Um, there's a lot of banks. Um, agricultural lending is more complicated than loaning money for a house or, or a car. There's no doubt about that. And there's more risk to boot. Um, so there's a lot of banks that have just 
just don't do it. Um, and I think as you get closer, um, you know, I don't know where you guys are all from. Are you from around the cities here, or primarily? I'm guessing as you get closer, more urban, the banks you go in and look for a farm loan, they're just going to say we don't do that. Is that the experience you might run into? Am I right in that? Or, um, uh, We've also shared before that uh, I know from last year's class, people who said they really have to, you know, keep going. You know, if you try one, you try the second one, yeah, the third one. Yeah. I think you talked about that a time. Yeah, and that and there's you know there's certainly nothing nothing wrong with that. I mean, well, other than the fact that you shouldn't have to do it, but I mean, um, you know, it, it, your patience should pay off. Um, but there are uh, certainly banks that uh, are interested in agriculture. There is the Farm Credit Service, and they're everywhere. Uh, unfortunately, they tend to be really focused on large operations. Um, another avenue we haven't talked about is uh, uh, the FSA, and you're familiar probably with the FSA office where uh, farmers get their uh, uh, can apply for government programs, anything from like the CSP to the CRP uh, to the regular direct payment program, the uh, countercyclical items, all that stuff. They also have a credit uh, area to the FSA. Um, and they do have some programs specifically designed for um, beginning farmers. And uh, it's probably lo worth looking into, uh, well, in fact, I know it is, um, you have to be uh, extremely patient and tenacious to, to, to make that work. Um, the, the way they screen their applicants is by overwhelming them with paperwork. Um, <laughs> And if you can get through that, uh, they have, I mean, I don't think that's their official policy, but that really works to me. Um, if you can get through that, they have attractive interest rates. Um, they're, very, they're very patient with, in terms of uh, waiting for you know, profit. They're, um, they're, the, other, the other thing is they're, they're limited on resources. So um, if you get into something where you need to buy a farm and need, you know, need that done in a month or two, it just isn't going to work that way. But there is areas where they can help, and, and they uh, once they get with a producer, they tend to be with them for the long term, which can be very positive. So, uh, yeah. How does age figure in? Um, not at all, really. Um, I know, uh, again, with the uh, FSA, uh, they used to call it the, the Young and Beginning Farmer Program, and I think they they just it's just the Beginning Farmer Program now because they you know they're they're. Uh, Policy and their and their actions are not to discriminate based on age. Uh, that's certainly true in in uh, commercial banks and the farm credit system as well. Uh, somebody comes in and uh, applies for a loan, and you, you, know, you do the math and think, hmm, thirty-year loan. You know that can't enter into the decision because uh, the thirty-year loan is just how long it's amortized, and it, it may or may not get paid uh, that way. It'll get paid some way. So age age can't be a factor, and it isn't. Even the, uh, the amount of collateral they might want to see, the age dependency. Shouldn't be, no. no. If, in terms of a uh, farming operation, you mean? In terms or? of getting a loan for a farming operation. No, no that should, the shoe should, should not be connected at all. I know they should, and I just wondered if they were. No, no, I don't know. I honestly don't think they are. I mean, it, uh, we we have, uh, you know, we're examined, uh, and uh, if we... Um, if we vary from our normal um, requirements or if we turn down a loan, um, you know, 
for one person or another, we have to justify that. So not only is it the right thing to do, but we have people to make sure that we do it. So I, I don't really don't think you're going to run into that as a problem. On the other end of the spectrum, you do have to be at least 18 in order to get a loan. So that's <laughs> the other, the other, other end of the limit is, is, is wide open. Yeah. How would you know if you're in a position to needing a loan? Like, it seems obvious you ask for a loan when you don't have the money. Right. But if you... That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would, would, it be, would it be wise to maybe ask for a loan while you do have the money to pay it so that it's like... Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it is important to establish your credit history and establish that relationship with the bank. Um, so, if again, if the first time you make a contact, you can open a deposit account, get established with a checking account, have a little bit of history that way, and then maybe borrow for something smaller. Um, and even if, even like you say, if you know that you could, you could write out a check for it, pay it out of your savings account, it may be good to borrow that money, pay it back from that source, and, and again, to just develop that relationship. So actually, that's a very good idea. Um, because for one thing, if, if you're in that situation and you get turned down, you, you've, you've learned a little bit about that bank and maybe you need to be looking around a little bit more. Um, because if the first time you need, you really need the money and get turned down, then you're then you're in a tougher spot. So that's a that's a good idea. Tell me back there. Um, with land prices varying so much, and we're in an area where land prices are escalating pretty rapidly. Yeah. How do banks evaluate whether or not a piece of land is worth what's being asked? The asking price is. How do they know whether or not that's Money yeah, that, that brings up, that, those are really difficult questions. Um, it reminds me of going back to when I was a, a Boag student in the 70s, uh, when land was escalating that time, and, you know, Ag teacher said, no uncertain terms, land can only go up in price, um, because they're only making, you know, you've all heard it, you know, they're not making any more, they can only go up in price. Well, the 80s proved it can go both ways. Um, so... And there's different ways to evaluate land. Is it worth what other people are willing to give for? Is it worth what it can produce? Um, there hasn't been very many times in the recent history when it's when it could be bought for what it could produce. Um, so the way most banks, including ours, evaluate um, land is to um, look at comparable sales in the area. And if, if you have the same type of land and three farms in, in a reasonable time frame and a reasonable geographical area sold for about that money, we assume that that's worth that amount of money. Um, as we see these quicker and quicker increases uh, that aren't based on productivity, it makes me nervous. Uh, kind of been there, done that thing. Um, so I don't know, but that, that's what we do. And then um, lenders, once they have that, that number in mind, um, if they feel that it's you know raising too fast, they may raise that amount of down payment that they're looking for. In other words, if that farm is going up by five percent a year, they might deviate for all their customers and say, hey, "We're not going to loan seventy-five percent anymore. We think that that's getting a little bit risky because this could go drop twenty-five percent quicker than it could before. So maybe we're just going to loan seventy percent or something like that." So, um, unfortunately, that doesn't make it any easier to loan you know to borrow money.
As you could tell, the class participants kept Tim hopping that night. Farm Beginnings is currently taking applications for its next series of classes, which will convene each fall and last through the winter. The program is also offering a series of on-farm educational tours this spring and summer. Some of them are open to the public, providing an excellent opportunity to see successful, sustainable farming in action. Farm Beginnings has recently expanded out of Minnesota and now has programs in Missouri, Nebraska, and Illinois. For more information, see www.farmbeginnings.org. That's www.farmbeginnings.org. To look at the results of a survey LSP did involving sustainable farmers and lenders, see www.landstewardshipproject.org backslash PR backslash 03 backslash NEWSR underscore 030826.html. That's a long one. I'll say it again. It's landstewardshipproject.org backslash PR backslash 03 backslash NEWSR underscore 030826.html. Again, that's where you can see the results of a survey we did involving sustainable farmers and lenders. Send your comments, criticisms, and suggestions about this podcast to me, Brian DeVore, at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org. You can also call me at 612-729-6294. A special thank you goes out to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician and LSP staffer who provided Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a very special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member... You'd like to support us? Go to landstewardshipproject.org to learn how to join LSP. Thanks for listening.